the resurrection. When Jesus gave up his spirit to his father on the cross, he said it's finished. But before he ascended, the Bible says he first descended in his spirit on a mission of great purpose. Below him was a place called paradise. And next to paradise was a place called Hades. Jesus had spoken about these places when he told the story of the rich man and Lazarus the beggar. Remember that story? Feasting around the table, the beggar looking for crumbs, the rich man just indulging himself sumptuously. He did that all of his life. And the rich man ended up in Hades and Lazarus the beggar, who lived a humble life begging at the gate of the rich man's house as well, was next to his table, he ended up in paradise with Abraham. And the story goes on to say that those two places are next to one another. So Jesus now descended to these places. That's what it says. Before he ascended, first he descended. So paradise was where there were millions of souls who had been waiting for him from the beginning of time. They'd lived their lives on earth in hope. Many of them were guided by the commandments, but most of them really were guided simply by a good conscience and God honoured that. And they were locked away from eternity till Jesus would now come and get them. Jesus would also visit Hades next door, the prison of lost hope. So the Bible says that Jesus preached to all of those prisoners of time. And he preached the message of the gospel, the plan of the Father to send Jesus into the world to set people free from the captivity of sin and separation and to bring his new creation life to humanity. Jesus would have sat with Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham, many other people in paradise, if you go through the Bible, they'll all be there as well as his newfound friend that he met on Calvary, there was a criminal next to him, tied to a cross. And he said to Jesus, Lord, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And Jesus said to him, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So he would have been there. So Jesus spoke to them and he rested with them. And he was going to wait there till the end of the third day. And the Bible says that before he ascended, he led the captives free. That's in Ephesians. He set them free from the captivity of time because they were waiting for heaven to come and get them. And Jesus also declared the word of his truth to those lost in Hades who'd resisted God. They'd refused to listen to him, including those who were destroyed in the flood of Noah. And I'll read the scripture to you. In 1 Peter 3, he died once for the sins of all sinners, although he himself was innocent of any sin at any time, that he might bring us safely home to God. But though his body died, his spirit lived on. And it was in the spirit that he visited the spirits in prison and preached to them, spirits of those who long before in the days of Noah had refused to listen to God though he waited patiently for them while Noah was building the ark. So this is the kind of backstory of what was going on when Jesus went from the cross to the grave. 
And the book of Revelation also tells us that Jesus was given the keys of hell and death. And with the key of freedom, he was able to unlock those prisoners of the past and take them into an eternal heaven. Revelation 1, it says this, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. On the third day, when Jesus turned the key of freedom in the prison gate, a tremor hit the universe. Power from Father and Holy Spirit in heaven was released into and through Jesus to overcome death and the grave. And that changed the nature of every atom of matter in existence. See, God had always been separate to his creation, two different classes of being. But now God had joined himself to humanity in Jesus, and now Jesus had been able to bring about a new quality of life, a new dimension of power, resurrection from the dead, overcoming death and separation. So now humanity could become a new creation being, formed in the spirit as one with Jesus. The time had now come for them all to leave. And Jesus led the ones that he had there that were waiting in paradise. He led them on a triumphant upward journey to his new home, his home in heaven. The entire company was escorted by hosts of angels as they ascended, ever upwards. But they first reached earth. They didn't go straight to heaven because there were things to do. I stopped for a brief period of time. And this is where we read in the Gospels, the Gospel of John, was where Jesus had to go to his tomb to get his body back. Okay, The earthly body lay in its shroud. Jesus went and took it, and then the tomb was totally empty. Jesus had his body back. The archangels Michael and Gabriel went ahead of Jesus to the tomb and found the guards there that the temple priests had appointed. They were to stand guard at the tomb because the, the officials thought that somebody would come and try and take the body of Jesus. So they put guards there. But as the angels alighted, the ground shook, the massive stone rolled away. A huge burst of lightning hit the place, sending the guards reeling headlong to the ground. They leapt up in fright and bolted. Jesus entered his tomb, united himself again to the wounded shell of his body, leaving the headpiece and shroud lying separated from one another in the tomb. That gets a mention in the Bible that he happened to do that particular thing. Then the two angels waited inside the tomb while Jesus walked bodily from that temporary resting place out into the garden. And now in John, you can read this beautiful description of what he did. He walked about, and you can imagine him recalling so vividly the events that had just happened. His time of kneeling in the agony of prayer, just not far away, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he accepted that cup of unbearable suffering. Now at the same time as this was going on, some women had prepared oils and spices according to the custom to anoint the body of Jesus, thinking they're going to find Jesus there in the tomb. 
But on their way, they're discussing the problem of how to move the huge stone that covered the entrance. When they arrived, they were astonished to see that it had been moved and the guards were nowhere to be seen. They peered inside the tomb and they were met by the majestic appearance of Michael and Gabriel sitting in the place where Jesus had been laying. Are you looking for Jesus? Gabriel said. He's come back to life, as he said he would. Go and tell the disciples that he'll be coming to see them and that they're to wait for him in Galilee. The women ran to tell the disciples, but one of them dropped back and she walked slowly through the garden, still confused. She was sad. She was weeping. She almost collided with Jesus because he's walking out there in the garden and she apologised, not recognising him, thinking he was the gardener and this was Mary Magdalene. And he called her by her name and he said, it's all right, Mary. It's me. She ran towards him, but he held up his hand and said to her, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Do that now. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she shared the things that he'd said to her. And now, Jesus had to fulfil the offering of his blood to his Father in heaven. This was a tradition from the book of Leviticus, which was the custom of blood sacrifice in Israel. The blood of animal sacrifice had been offered for the sins of the people by the high priests of Israel in the holy place of the temple for the last 1,500 years. And that was for the nation of Israel. But Jesus had just marked the end of blood sacrifice for sin for all time. He'd sprinkled his innocent blood on the ground at Golgotha for the forgiveness of the sins, not just of Israel, but for the whole earth. So he had to fulfil the tradition of blood sacrifice, an archetype of this moment And we read about it in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. It picks all of this up. But Jesus came as high priest of this better system that we now have. He went into that greater, perfect tabernacle in heaven, not made by men nor part of this world, and once for all took blood into that inner room, the Holy of Holies in heaven and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. But it was not the blood of goats and calves. No, he took his own blood and with it, he by himself made sure of our eternal salvation. Everything had to be fulfilled, line upon line. Now, a very strange thing was also happening in other parts of Jerusalem. And I think this is one of the most fascinating little passages of scripture that you can think about. Try and put yourself in the picture. Hundreds of souls who had just accompanied Jesus from below, because they were all travelling up together. The angels went to the tomb, all those things happened, Jesus got his body back. But hundreds that were with him, who had recently died, were making the briefest of appearances to their loved ones. Can you imagine that? It says it in Matthew chapter 27, verse 52. Going back to the 
the time on Calvary when the curtain of the temple was torn in two. When that happened, when it was torn in two from top to bottom, the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. They were just opened. Many bodies of the saints who had died were raised up and came out of the tombs after his resurrection. So they had to wait until this moment. And they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So after the very brief visit to their astounded friends and rallies on earth in their new recognisable forms, people would have to know who it was. They wouldn't say, who are you? The people would be there and they'd, they'd be talking to their, their, their wife and saying, hi Rebecca, it's me. It was only a short visit because they had to regroup shortly and resume their journey to heaven. Just imagine this strange reality of this spiritual world. So what did they do? Did they come to the door and knock or did they walk straight through the door? Maybe they walked straight through the wall. You got the kettle boiling? Can't stay for long? No, it's a long story. I'll tell you later sometime. Yeah. Just one sugar, no milk, thank you. <laughs> so this magnificent procession then began to ascend from their graves to the sky in glorious splendour with its escort of glorious angels. And as their ascension took them closer and closer to the throne room, a mighty voice could be heard proclaiming his majestic entrance. Psalm 24 tells it. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. At this command, the heavenly music began, the sounds of pipes and trumpets, the voices of hundreds of harmonies and a beautiful range of stringed instruments created this magnificent symphony. Jesus had come home and the Bible trumpets his victorious homecoming. And again, we read it in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 1. He became the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he sustains everything in the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he's just done that, he's got the blood, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What a beautiful production. Imagine if you were able to witness that. But it's there. It's written there. It's a record. And this was the moment. The purification for the sin of all mankind had been made and now everything in the universe was integrated into his being of power. We read that again in Ephesians. How powerful, in chapter 1, verse 19, how powerful is that divine energy that comes from God to us when we simply believe that he's the creator and generator of this supernatural power which exploded into reality when he raised Jesus from the dead and took him into heaven to sit next to him at his right hand. Wow. This heavenly place and position took Jesus as God and man above, above any other force or realm of authority that can be named, whether on earth or in the heavens, and he has become the centre of all consequence and meaning in the universe. All the angels and all those who had come with Jesus on the upward journey beheld their king in his place of honour. 
and joined in the magnificent celebration. His time in heaven for these celebrations was momentary as he had left the tomb just before dawn and he had to return to earth that same day still bearing the marks of the cruel wreath of thorns from his flogging, the wounds to his hands and feet, the ones that Thomas wouldn't believe until he saw. So he came back on that day to show his disciples this. Remember he told them to wait for it because he was going to spend 40 days on earth then as a witness to his resurrection to seal the plan of the Father, see it implemented for the rest of time. And at the end of those 40 days, he would return to heaven. That would be the final ascension. And from there, he'd begin his new mission upon the earth through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had accompanied Jesus every moment of his life on earth. He had joined himself to the human spirit of Jesus and felt every feeling that Jesus had felt. He was the seed from the Father of life. He had known every one of Jesus' thoughts. He had communicated every thought from Father God to him in his humanity. Those thoughts became words in the mouth of Jesus and Holy Spirit caused those words to have life and power to all who heard Jesus speak. That's the same Holy Spirit that's in you. The same risen Holy Spirit is in you. He was sent. So in this way, Holy Spirit had also experienced life within humanity on the earth. And after those 40 days on the earth, Jesus returned to heaven. Ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus and the Father sent Holy Spirit to the earth on the day of Pentecost, which is 40 plus 10, 50 days. That's what the word pente means, 50. So on that day, there was ushered in the new creation being of God with us as humanity. Holy Spirit would become the bond between heaven and earth for all time. He would fall like rain from heaven upon the souls of mankind. He's out there touching every, every human being on the planet, tugging at them, seeking to awaken the spirit of humanity to the cosmic truth of what Jesus had done in joining mankind to God. Humanity could now live in the new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and win its struggle against the human mindset, you know what it's like, of separation and lostness. Every human being feels instinctively separation as a lesser being but now we have the divine being within. There's no more separation. But that mindset of lostness and separation was called the law of sin and death that had been overcome. And within the human pain of this struggle against lostness and separation will be found the cry of the Holy Spirit wrestling to join the minds and hearts of people to God. People wonder why they go through sometimes such pain and unnecessary pain I believe the Holy Spirit is there groaning. He knows their pain. But he's trying to take them through it to open up the answer. Because the pain is simply lostness and separation. And it takes many forms of, of foolishness, of, of action and regrettable things that people do. It's because they're lost and separated. Holy Spirit is saying, come on, come home with me. I want to join you to the answer to this. It's the spiritual energy of God's love 
that would never cease its activity in the human heart. Never. Subduing human nature. Not taking away free will. But there is a way that love can subdue a person's heart so that their desires change and they get drawn into, as I said before, giving the reins to somebody who wants to share the reins with them and take them into what they are destined to be. That's always going on in the human heart so that that person's nature now can resonate with the nature of God. Whenever this truth is embraced by a human heart, that heart will at last find itself at home around the family table where it was destined eternally to be. Amen.